European Heart Journal, Issue at a Glance, Volume 43, Issue 12, Focus Issue, Arrhythmias, by Editor-in-Chief, Professor Filippo Crayer, read to you by Morgan Bryan. Novel Mechanistic Insights into Ventricular Arrhythmias and Sudden Death This focus issue on arrhythmias contains The Year in Cardiovascular Medicine 2021, Arrhythmias by Harry Kreins and colleagues from the Maastricht University Medical Center in the Netherlands. Kreins et al. note that the year 2021 yielded remarkable societal impact arrhythmia papers, reporting on important public health issues, the latest ESC 2021 pacing guidelines, randomized trials on atrial fibrillation, or AF, and cardiac pacing, and intriguing multidisciplinary aspects of AF with progress in ventricular arrhythmias in particular, an outstanding series of Brigada syndrome studies. Sudden cardiac death, or SCD, is a tragic incident accountable for up to 50% of deaths from cardiovascular disease. In a state-of-the-art review article entitled Risk of Sports-Related Sudden Cardiac Death in Women, Deepthi Rajan and colleagues from the Copenhagen University Hospital in Denmark Note that sports-related SCD, or SRSCD, is a phenomenon which has previously been associated with both competitive and recreational sports activities. SRSCD has been found to occur 5 to 33-fold less frequently in women than in men, and the sex difference persists despite the rapid increase in female participation in sports. Establishing the reasons behind this difference could pinpoint targets for improved prevention of SRSCD. Therefore, this review summarizes existing knowledge on epidemiology, characteristics, and causes of SRSCD in females, and elaborates on proposed mechanisms behind the sex differences. Although literature concerning the etiology of SRSCD in females is limited, proposed mechanisms include sex-specific variations in hormones, blood pressure, autonomic tone, and the presentation of acute coronary syndromes. Consequently, these biological differences impact the degree of cardiac hypertrophy, dilation, right ventricular remodeling, myocardial fibrosis, and coronary atherosclerosis, and thereby the occurrence of ventricular arrhythmias in male and female athletes associated with short and long-term exercise. Finally, cardiac examinations such as electrocardiograms and echocardiography are useful tools allowing easy differentiation between physiological and pathological cardiac adaptions following exercise in women. However, as a significant proportion of SRSCD causes in women are non-structural or unexplained after autopsy, channelopathies may play an important role, encouraging attention to prodromal symptoms and family history. These findings will aid the identification of females at high risk of SRSCD and development of targeted prevention for female sports participants. Clinical trials have demonstrated the safety and efficacy of the microleadless VVI pacemaker. However, longer-term outcomes in a large real-world population with a contemporaneous comparison with transvenous VVI pacemakers have not been examined. In a fast-track clinical research article entitled Leadless versus transvenous single-chamber ventricular pacing in the micro-CED study, two-year follow-up. 
Mikael El Shami and colleagues from the Emory University School of Medicine in Atlanta, Georgia, USA, compared re-interventions, chronic complications, and all-cause mortality at two years between leadless VVI and transvenous VVI-implanted patients. The microcoverage with evidence development study is a continuously enrolling observational cohort study of leadless VVI pacemakers in the U.S. Medicare free-for-service population. Patients implanted with a leadless VVI pacemaker between the 9th of March 2017 and the 31st of December 2018 were identified, N equaling 6,219, and compared with all patients implanted with transvenous VVI during the study period, N equaling 10,212. Compared with transvenous VVI, Patients with leadless VVI had more end-stage renal disease and a higher Charlson comorbidity index. Leadless VVI patients had significantly fewer re-interventions, adjusted hazard ratio or HR 0.62, P equaling 0.003, and chronic complications, adjusted HR 0.69, 95% confidence interval 0.60 to 0.81, P being less than 0.0001, compared with transvenous VVI patients. Adjusted all-cause mortality at two years was not different between the two groups. The authors conclude that in a real-world study of U.S. Medicare patients, the microleadless VVI pacemaker is associated with a 38% lower adjusted rate of re-interventions and a 31% lower adjusted rate of chronic complications compared with transvenous VVI pacing, without any difference in adjusted all-cause mortality at two years. The contribution is accompanied by an editorial by Haran Buri from the University Hospital of Geneva in Switzerland. Buri notes that although the Medicare database is not monitored and does not disclose details such as cause of death, it is likely that important endpoints such as complications are well captured due to the financial incentive for the facility to do so in order to gain reimbursement. Data mining from sources such as health insurance programs and telemedicine provides an opportunity to conduct large sightless pragmatic studies at a low cost. Although each study cannot replace randomized control trials for providing scientific evidence, they do offer new perspectives in the setting of increasing economical and administrative challenges for conducting conventional clinical research. The choice between rhythm control and rate control in atrial fibrillation, or AF, is still debated. Clinical practice guidelines restrict rhythm control therapy to patients with symptomatic atrial fibrillation, or AF. In a second fast-track clinical research article entitled Systematic Early Rhythm Control Strategy for Atrial Fibrillation in Patients with or Without Symptoms, the EAST AFNET 4 trial. Stefan Willems and colleagues from the Semmelweis University Campus Hamburg in Germany noted that the EAST AFNET 4 trial demonstrated that early systematic rhythm control improves clinical outcomes compared with symptom-directed rhythm control. This pre-specified EAST AFNET 4 analysis compared the effect of early rhythm control therapy in asymptomatic patients, EHRA score 1, with that in symptomatic patients. The primary outcome was a composite of death from cardiovascular causes, stroke, 
or hospitalization with worsening of heart failure or acute coronary syndrome, examined in a time-to-event analysis. At baseline, 30% of patients were asymptomatic, mean age 71 years, 37% women, mean CHADS2 VASC score 3.4, 21% heart failure. Asymptomatic patients randomized to early rhythm control received similar rhythm control therapies compared with symptomatic patients, e.g. AF ablation at 24 months, 19% in asymptomatic patients and 19.3% in symptomatic patients. Anticoagulation treatment of concomitant cardiovascular conditions were also similar between symptomatic and asymptomatic patients. The primary outcome occurred in 79 of 395 asymptomatic patients randomized to early rhythm control and in 97 of 406 patients randomized to usual care. HR 0.76, 95% confidence interval 0.6 to 1.03 almost identical to symptomatic patients. The authors conclude that the clinical benefit of early systematic rhythm control is not different between asymptomatic and symptomatic patients in EAST AFNET4. This manuscript is accompanied by an editorial by Robert Atala from the National Cardiovascular Institute and Slovak Medical University in Bratislava, Slovakia. Atala concludes that the EAST AF4Net results demonstrate that applying a systematic holistic therapeutic approach based on anticoagulation, rate control, and upstream therapy very early after diagnosis, irrespective of arrhythmia symptoms, creates a more favorable milieu for an effective concomitant rhythm control strategy with possibly an increasing role for catheter ablation. However, at least two important questions remain to be resolved to implement this approach in clinical practice. One. Are the benefits of early rhythm control limited only to early AF, i.e. diagnosis within the previous four to six weeks, or can they be extrapolated to AF of longer duration? This is of utmost practical importance since most countries do not have the capacity to offer specialized care, including catheterablation, to patients with incident AF within four to six weeks after initial diagnosis. Two. Which feature of the proposed strategy of rhythm control is the decisive one? The systematic medical treatment, the early rhythm control, the systematic ablation if antiarrhythmic drugs fail, or all of them? Even with such unresolved issues, Sir Thomas Lewis would probably be pleased to see that we can further improve the outcome of auricular fibrillation, but we must implement all appropriate evidence-based therapies speedily and regardless of symptoms. The mechanisms of ventricular fibrillation, or VF, are complex and still poorly known. In a clinical research article entitled Perkin J Network and Myocardial Substrate at the Onset of Human Ventricular Fibrillations Implications for Catheter Ablation, Michel Heisiger and colleagues from the Centre Hospitalier Université de Bordeaux in France performed detailed mapping of the activities underlying the onset of VF and targeted ablation in patients with structural cardiac abnormalities. The authors evaluated 54 patients, 50 plus or minus 16 years, with VF in the setting of ischemic, N equaling 15, hypertrophic, N equaling 8, or dilated cardiomyopathy, N equaling 12, or Brigada syndrome, N equaling 19. 
VF was mapped using body surface mapping to identify driver, re-entrant and focal areas and invasive Perkin-J mapping. Perkin-J drivers were defined as Perkin-J activities faster than the local ventricular rate. Structural substrate was delineated by electrocardiogram criteria and by imaging. Catheter ablation was performed in 41 patients with recurrent VF. 61 episodes of spontaneous or induced VF were mapped. VF was organized for the initial 5.0 plus or minus 3.4 seconds, exhibiting large wavefronts with similar cycle lengths or CLs across both ventricles. Most drivers, 81%, originated from areas associated with the structural substrate. The Perkin-J system was implicated as a trigger or driver in 43% of patients with cardiomyopathy. The transition to disorganized VF was associated with the acceleration of initial re-entrant activities, CL shortening from 187 plus or minus 17 milliseconds to 175 plus or minus 20 milliseconds, P being less than 0.001, and spatial dissemination of drivers. Perkin-J and substrate ablation resulted in the reduction of VF recurrences from a pre-procedural median of seven episodes to zero episodes at 56 plus or minus 30 months. The authors conclude that the onset of human VF is sustained by activities originated from Perkin-J and structural substrate before spreading throughout the ventricles to establish disorganized VF. Targeted ablation results in effective reduction of VF burden. The contribution is accompanied by an editorial by Peter Taggart and colleagues from the University College London in the United Kingdom. They note that these findings shed light on strategies to identify triggers and target the substrate, key elements enabling the development of VF, and present a coherent case for the efficacy of combining myocardial substrate characterization, Perkin-J mapping, and VF mapping to optimize ablation therapy. The mapping of abnormal substrate during induced VF is an important further contribution, as this aids optimization of ablation when ectopy is not present. Taggart et al. conclude that the authors of this study should be congratulated on an outstanding contribution to clinical electrophysiology research, which adds to our understanding of VF and will no doubt contribute to future therapeutic strategies for its management. Exercise increases arrhythmia risk and cardiomyopathy progression in arrhythmogenic right ventricular cardiomyopathy, or ARVC, patients but the mechanisms remain unknown. In a translational research article entitled Role of Placophilin II Expression on Exercise-Related Progression of Arrhythmogenic Right Ventricular Cardiomyopathy, a translational study, Marina Cerrone and colleagues from the New York University Grossman School of Medicine in New York investigated transcriptomic changes caused by endurance training in mice deficient in placophilin II or PKP2CKO, a desmosomal protein important for intercalated disc formation commonly mutated in ARVC, as compared with normal animals. Exercise caused transcriptional downregulations of genes encoding intercalated disc proteins. PKP2 loss caused cardiac contractile deficit, decreased muscle mass, and increased functional stroke transcriptomic signatures of apoptosis despite increased fractional shortening and calcium transient amplitude 
in single myocytes. Exercise accelerated cardiac dysfunction, an effect dampened by pre-training animals prior to PKP2 knockout. Consistent with PKP2-dependent muscle mass deficit, cardiac dimensions in human athletes carrying PKP2 mutations were reduced compared with match controls. The authors speculate that exercise challenges a cardiomyocyte desmosomal reserve, which, if impaired genetically, e.g. PKP2 loss, accelerates progression of cardiomyopathy. The manuscript is accompanied by an editorial by Christina Hauger from the Karolinska University Hospital in Stockholm, Sweden, and Christine Rudveld Norberg from the Oslo University Hospital in Norway. The authors conclude that this contribution launches a novel and interesting concept. Indeed, the hypothesis of impaired desmosomal reserve represents a supplementary explanation to the exercise-induced increased wall stress theory as causes of accelerated desmosomal dysfunction in ARVC athletes. Importantly, it provides a new and interesting step forward in the intriguing topic of exercise-induced ARVC. The issue is also complemented by two discussion forum contributions in a commentary entitled The Association of Atrial Fibrillation with Mortality in Patients with Breast Cancer. Jean-Jacques Nubiep from the University of Adelaide in South Australia comments on the recent publication Incidents, Risk Factors and Mortality of Atrial Fibrillation in Breast Cancer A SEER Medicare Analysis by Averup Guha from the Case Western Reserve University in Cleveland, Ohio, USA. Guha et al. respond in a separate comment. The editors hope that the readers of this issue of the European Heart Journal will find it of interest.